This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Heidi Messer, chairman and co-founder of Collective Eye. My co-founders and I got together and said, what is the next big opportunity after watching the marketing world transform? And we saw uh, on the enterprise side and the revenue management side, specifically sales, as being the next big thing. And that's what led us to found uh, Collective Eye, which is short for Collective Intelligence. The entire enterprise will be transformed using a combination of data, networks, and artificial intelligence. And when I say transformation, what I mean is not automation. I think that's a common misconception. Instead, what we looked at and said is where are areas where humans are underutilized? Where are areas where their jobs have become something other than what they were originally intended? And for us, uh, we looked at, at revenue and in particular sales organizations as a ripe place for a, where an application where this technology could completely reorganize and allow human beings to shine and show their true talents. This is Heidi. She's the co-founder and CEO of Collective Eye, a business intelligence network built around technology designed to transform the quality of insights and intelligence for sales, marketing, services, and customer support. Heidi has been an active entrepreneur and investor in the digital economy since the commercialization of the internet. She is the co-founder and CEO of World Evolved, a platform for global investments and expansion. She is one of the founding members of the Zoke Network, a global network devoted to encourage innovation across art, science, business and technology. In addition, she is an active angel investor and advises numerous startups. Prior to Collective, Heidi and her brother Stefan Messer co-founded Linkshare Corporation, which is the host of one of the world's largest online affiliate networks, representing some of the largest and fastest growing publishers and merchants on the market. The company is widely recognized to be a pioneer in the world of digital advertising. Heidi is a frequent speaker at conferences around the world and universities on topics like entrepreneurship, digital marketing and advertising, business intelligence, and the future of internet services. She's been cited in various publications, including the New York Times, Inc. Magazine and the Nikkei. She has received several honors, including being selected as one of the 2012 most intriguing entrepreneurs by Goldman Sachs. The mission behind Collective Eye is to remove uncertainty and inefficiency around how B2B companies generate revenue through their sales organizations. They do so by using AI to remove tasks, 
identify important social connections and guide sales professionals to the activities that will yield their highest ROI. And this approach often gets them referred to as the ways for sales. And this triggered me to invite Heidi to my podcast. We explore why today's sales force is wasting 70% of their time on non-revenue generating activities and why in order to solve that challenge, you need to go beyond automation. As such, we explore how the combination of network-based technology, community-sourced and proprietary data in combination with AI and machine learning enables to predict buying patterns and provide levels of visibility and actionability that were previously unattainable for sales teams. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, by taking a network approach to creating insights, has the power to solve some of our most valuable challenges. Secondly, how, by using AI as a guide, we can raise the potential to increase both the value humans produce as well as the way they value their work. And thirdly, why being a fast follower doesn't work with AI, because the advantages are so far superior. So Heidi, Thank you for being on this podcast, making your time available for this. But before we start, can you give a little bit of introduction about who you are and what drives you as a, as a business person? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I am an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur in the technology space since the mid-90s. actually co-founded one of the seminal companies in the ad tech space called Linkshare. Uh, it's now called Rakuten Linkshare. And we sold that company in 2006 for around a half a billion dollars. Um, really nice exit for ourselves and our investors. And my co-founders and I got together and said, what is the next big opportunity after watching the marketing world transform? And we saw uh, on the enterprise side and the revenue management side, specifically sales as being the next big thing. And that's what led us to found uh, Collective Eye, which is short for Collective Intelligence. I saw that and I, um, I'm impressed with your bio, bio, by the way. So the marketing world's transforming, sales uh, and the revenue management transforming as well. What is the big idea behind collective intelligence? So Collective I started with the premise that the entire enterprise will be transformed using a combination of data, networks, and artificial intelligence. And when I say transformation, what I mean is not automation. I think that's a common misconception. Instead, what we looked at it said is where are areas where humans are underutilized? Where are areas where their jobs have become something other than what they were originally intended? And for us, uh, we looked at, at revenue and in particular sales organizations as a ripe place for a, where an application where this technology could completely reorganize and allow human beings to shine and show their true talents. Um, just to give you a sense of the scope of the opportunity in the United States, which is where I'm based, although we operate globally, uh, one in eight people are in the field of sales. Yep. Those people spend roughly 70% of their time on non-revenue producing activities. Crazy. Um, that is astonishing. And when, especially when 100% of how they're compensated is related to revenue and outcomes. And so that dichotomy and the amount of busy work and tasks that populate their day were something that we wanted to eliminate and allow for not only those individuals to apply their talents, but to do so in a way that was buyer centric. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, music to my ears, what you're doing. 
specifically because you were looking at where humans are underutilized, and I completely agree on that. That technology should be there to to utilize them. I've heard that phrase, by the way, a number of times on the podcast, that it's a common thing. But in order to get the people away from the 70% that you're talking about, I mean, I've I've seen a couple of studies where in general, I think it's about 54% or 60%. So I didn't even realize for sales it was 70%. Crazy. But so what are you doing then to get them, or is it about freeing them up or is it really helping them with intelligence to let them do things they've never been able to do before? Yeah, so there's really three things that we do. I would say the first is task automation. So there's all sorts of things that happen in sales that require meetings just for people to get a firm understanding of what activities have transpired. And because we automatically log those activities without any human intervention, Mm -hmm. we get rid of any meetings that happen or any activities that happen that would have either required human input of data um, into, say, for example, a system like CRM or meetings to review that input of data and the quality of it. So that's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is we surface insights around how buyers are buying. And that's really, I would say, sort of our secret sauce, which is because we operate as a network, because we pool data across multiple companies, anonymize it, and then use machine learning to spot patterns, we're able to understand the buying process so that we can help sellers align their process to what buyers are thinking and doing at any given moment. In that sense, we're a lot like the application ways. When you're driving on the road, um, you may know the directions of where you want to go, but what Waze does is it augments it with things that you couldn't actually know based on your vantage point on the road. Exactly. We do the same thing for sales. The third thing we do is a combination of collaboration and networking. And what that is, is we allow, once you have those insights at your fingertips, and once you've been freed of the tasks that are stopping you from focusing on buyers, the last piece of the puzzle is how do I get people internally and and also allow salespeople to utilize their networks effectively externally to make sure that they get to the fastest possible route to generate revenue. Okay. Yeah, that's the right way to do it. I mean, the free, first freeing them up and then starting to augment them and then making it, making the, 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 group, the group larger with uh, collaboration. Exactly. Is, I mean, from what you're doing, and, and you said you're, you're looking at, well, your secret sauce is about the insights, how buyers are buying and the patterns that you see. Is that something that is at a industry level? I mean, how do you know that what buyer is type is what type of buyer? Because it has, of course, a lot to do with what you sell. Exactly. So th- this is the beauty of machine learning. The machine is, and, and, and actually, I love the, the tagline of your, your podcast, you know, reimagining what can be. A machine is learning and looking at patterns without any human influence. So what you'll see in companies is they actually operate a lot like people. They have patterns of how they make purchases. And different groups within enterprises have patterns. So you know, a procurement department tends to take a similar amount of time to negotiate contracts. Yep. Certain buying clusters operate in, in, in certain ways. And so when the machine spots those buying clusters, it's looking for the patterns of those buying clusters. It's not trying to classify them based on what type of buyer they are. It's literally looking at the pure data and saying, based on the pure data that we're seeing in the patterns, here's what's likely to happen with this buying cluster. That's a much more effective way to help guide a seller. Yeah, that's what I see on your website. And 
Amazing website, by the way. Uh, everybody that's listening should, should have a look at it because it's, it's telling a, an interesting story. Thank you. Uh, but, it, but it is indeed talking about well, collective intelligence, but also the, guiding, the guidance of selling, of, of sellers. So it's, it's giving the, the machine is becoming the peer of the sales in terms of predicting or prescribing the, the next thing to do. That's exactly it. It's, it's looking for ways to augment human intelligence. So, you know, when you think about much of the value of a sales professional or a sales manager is that they themselves have seen lots and lots of patterns. So they may have sold to the same buyer across multiple companies and they know that pattern of that buyer yeah. or a manager may have seen, you know, multiple types of people they're managing and therefore have developed a certain judgment. Because the machine is able to absorb so many more of those activities en masse, it's able to take that judgment and augment it, removing any biases so that there are things that either a manager might or a sales professional might not know is in existence or might know and just want to have it validated scientifically. And those are the kinds of things that AI and ML is very, very good at. I completely agree on that one. So from the aha moment, from to where you are right now, what first of all, what's what sparked the idea to to start a product? And I mean, what was the first ideation of the product? Was it what it is today? Was it something different? So it's funny. I mean, for me as an entrepreneur, I have to be able to empathize with uh, the people that we're serving, and and I have to have you know firsthand experience and also appreciation for the challenges that they're facing. And, you know, look, any great entrepreneur is a great sales professional. There's, there's no way that that skill of selling is so core. Yeah. And so one of the things that had always perplexed me as an entrepreneur is, is sort of the negative impression that people have of, of sales professionals. I mean, considering the fact that they are the reason for every company's existence without sales, there is no revenue without revenue. There is no business. And yet they're sort of excluded from the C-suite in a meaningful way. And, and the pattern that I saw was the same thing had happened in marketing, by the way. CMOs were before, you know, the internet, before that transformation were considered to be the people who weren't good at math, who spent all their time in focus groups with ad agencies. And today, if you think about what those, you know, individuals are, they're serving on boards, they're close advisors, and they're very scientific about what they do. So the aha moment for me was, why are these people that are so skilled, so critical, and so imperative to any organization so devalued? Hmm. And when our co-founder, my co-founders and I looked at the situation, it was because there really was no way to validate their judgment. And their judgment was being so sporadically applied in various situations that there wasn't a, a way to judge the value of their activities. And so the aha moment for us was, well, you know, you have this unbelievable combination of innovation that's happened in, in the past, you know, decade, you know, cloud computing, which put data, you know, into a place where it could be analyzed easily or relatively easily. I can get into that. You had the cost of storing that data dropping. You had, you know, artificial and intelligence and in particular machine learning and deep learning making tremendous strides. Yeah. all happening at the same time in a function that relies deeply on knowing things that are outside of your internal organization. That was the perfect combination to say all of these trends together can be incredibly powerful, True. impact the lives of one in eight people, 
change the way companies do business, make revenue much more predictable, and avoid some of the cyclical economic swings that you see when all of those things don't happen. That, that to us was, was an aha moment. <laughs> well, I mean, talking about that, uh, the outcome of that I and mean, changing the way people do business, are you seeing, I mean, what is the tangible example of that? Customers that were, well, not, not one of your customers before, but now they are. What do they see? Yeah, I'll give you some, some you know, sort of day-to-day examples and, and then um, I can bring it up a, a level. But, I mean, just basic things, you know, if you think about, you know, managing sales is a lot like asset management, right, in the financial world. You've yeah. got a portfolio of opportunities. You have to decide which ones to invest, you know, in this case, your time. And then, you know, you have to know when to cut bait. And the finance world has created all of these tremendous algorithms that help people avoid their own pitfalls. So, you know, certain traders aren't allowed to hold on to stocks when they get to be a certain risk profile, even if they're doing well. The same thing happens in sales today. But if you think about it, um, this thing, this very powerful thing called loss aversion, it takes a sales professional three times as long to lose a deal as it does to win a new one. And so one of the things that's very powerful about our system is the ability to tell those sales professionals when odds have dropped below an acceptable level that it's worth it for them to spend their time. So we see a big change in that. We see a transformation between the way that sales and marketing interact with each other. So there's really three functions, sales, inside sales, and marketing. Um, They all have ways of touching the customer at various cost points, field sales being the most expensive. And when you start to see odds produced scientifically, not based on human opinion, mm-hmm. it becomes very apparent that you need to rationalize the way those three functions work together. Yep. So we see transformation happening in those areas. You know, we see alerts that have stopped people. It's, again, a little bit like Waze where, you know, someone tells you there's going to be traffic. The machine tells you there's going to be traffic ahead. So you're able to reroute yourself. And we see tons of that happening. And then, you know, finally, the sort of cultural change is when you do have transparency backed by science, it removes the tension between how managers manage sales professionals and how sales professionals deal with the buyer. Um, Rather than the sales professional hoarding information so they don't upset their manager and and then in so doing upset a buyer, because all the information is transparent, it takes the emotion out of it and everyone can shift all their energies to focus on their buyers not how to manage information and hoard data internally. Interesting. So, I mean, any specific outcomes that, uh, that you're proud of? I mean, what, what are your customers realizing from this before or after? Um, there's so many things I'm, I'm proud of. I'm proud of the fact that, you know, sales professionals using our system are, are elevated to professionals. Um, it changes the nature of their meetings. You know, it's no longer... Uh, a meeting with a manager to talk about, you know, who's a manager acting as detective, trying to figure out, is this sales professional telling me the truth about what's happening? Mm-hmm. They even have nicknames, you know, are they sandbaggers? Are they um, happy ears? I mean, this is crazy stuff. You know, now uh, the organizations that use us, their professionals are professionals and their time is spent on, you know, strategy and selling. And I would say of all the things, watching that happen on a massive scale is so exciting and fulfilling. Yeah, I agree. Can and revenue that. growth, by the way, that's, that's, that's awesome too. So watching people be more satisfied at work, doing the thing they were paid to do and succeeding more, those are the most incredible things you can do as an entrepreneur. 
Yeah, do, do your customers see an uh, increase in, in win rates, deal value? I mean, how, how is that revenue growth being, being supported with your solution? Yeah, they certainly see an acceleration in, in sales cycles. They see much more efficiency day to day. So I'll give you a very specific example. Today, sales managers typically spend one day a week doing what's called a pipeline review. Um, And that is literally walking through every opportunity that a sales professional is working on. Now, keep in mind that comes on the heels of that sales professional entering every activity they've ever worked on into a CRM system. So you have the double whammy of the sales professional spends, you know, about 15 to 20% of their time entering data. 20% of a manager's time is spent reviewing that data in person. So you couple that with the time it took to put the data in, it's colossal waste of productivity. Exactly. Um, from day one, all of those meetings go away in our system. Wow. Um, you actually can see it all visualized. You can see the data's in co- data in context. It can happen out of office hours. And so literally those meetings now are conversations about strategy and specific buyers, no longer about, you know, let me uncover what's, what's happened. Very, very specific example, but it's huge to say if you have a sales force of 10,000 people who are operating exactly. at a capacity of 3,000, to double that overnight is, is unbelievable. Yeah, that's what's happening, of course. You, you, double, you, you, you more than double it. Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 And you're increasing satisfaction and you're increasing you know, the buyer's ability to be, be satisfied. And you know, as you know today, that's incredibly important. I mean, some of the things that you know, you, a lot of people may not realize is that 82% of buyers feel that their sales professionals who are reaching out to them are unprepared. True. You know, 60% of deals are lost because of perceived seller apathy, not necessarily because of skills-based mistakes or errors. So, you know, these are things that are low-hanging fruit. And this is, this is the promise, really, of AI being realized in the enterprise. Yeah. Going back to the technology side, the solution being created, what do you believe is, is the, well, let's start with the single most important thing within your solution that makes it so remarkable? Oh, I would say, and, and our engineers would, would not be happy if I said there's one thing that makes it remarkable, but I, w- I would say the core differentiator and the thing that we've done that is, is truly groundbreaking is we applied a network model to this, to this challenge. So uh, I think there are a lot of companies that will put you know, AI in their name and, and say they're doing artificial intelligence, but as you and I both know, the key to artificial intelligence is the diversity and relevance of the data set that's training the machine. True. And so the, the you know, engineering feat that, that we accomplished was creating a universal data model. We actually have a patent on it that allows us to ingest data, not only from multiple currently siloed sources within a company. So it could be anything from you know, email calendar, CRM, document management systems, conferencing systems, but the ability to take those data sets, pool them anonymously and train the machine on a diverse set of network-based data. That combined with actual social networking uh, applications that we've built in, is, is very is is astonishing from a technological feat. Yeah, because it's, from, yeah. yeah, it's getting smarter and smarter all the time. Getting smarter and smarter all the time. From a commercial feat, I would say you know our sales team has done a remarkable job of of openly educating the marketplace. So I think you know part of the backlash that you see in the market against networks 
you know, consumer networks like Facebook and others is because they weren't upfront about how they planned to use data and how they were not going to use data. From the beginning, from day one, we've been very upfront with, with the partners and clients that we work with about our business model. We've also been very strict about not only security, but things that we will do with the data that we possess, um, one of which is we will not sell it to third parties. All of those things have enabled this model to come to fruition. And, and from my perspective, that's incredibly important because if you're going to transform the enterprise in a truly meaningful way, this technological solution is the only way to do it. And in order to get every company to understand that this is a positive for them, you have to be very upfront about you know, the risks that you've eliminated for them embracing this new open economy. Yeah, true. I mean, one of the people that I always uh, have admired is Steve Jobs. And one of the things he, he mentioned about innovation is, is innovation is not about what you say yes to, but what you say no to. Were there any things that you, on the journey, had to say no to in order to kind of achieve what you're achieving right now? I, I think that's a brilliant question. And yes, it would have been much easier for us just to be pure SaaS a little bit of predictive analytics built in. So, you know, just to go into a company and say, we'll take your data set, we'll use our universal data model, and we'll give you some incremental improvements to, you know, your forecasting process or, or some other, you know, smaller things that you're doing. It, I think that saying no to applying our technology in that way, even though that would have been an easier sale into the market, would have sacrificed the big opportunity. I 100% agree with that statement. Yeah. But well, well, going back to selling then, I mean, so what did you learn in the selling process? I mean, what made it tough? Well, I think anyone who's, who's selling something on the cutting edge um, and the bleeding edge has to spend a lot of time educating. True. And so, you know, there's, when we train our, our sales professionals internally, we, you know, we talk about the difference between iterative technology and disruptive and innovative technology as being in the latter. Um, and when you're selling something that's really, you know, a groundbreaking and a different paradigm, um, there's a, a certain level of patience and, and also a certain level of knowledge that you have to have beyond features and functions. That's much harder to train in a sales organization. And so we've, you know, picked the, the best of the best to go out and do that. But their, their sale is much harder and much more complex. And they're yeah. talking at very senior levels. I mean, it's the people you talk to with, with this podcast, right? Yeah. People who are, are really genuinely trying to place the right bets on how they prepare their organizations for the future. Yeah. And part of that is they need to or want to pick partners that are going to shepherd them into the future based on what those partners have spent many, many years understanding. We see that as our role. It is a role, and it's, I agree, it's, uh, the education is still so much needed. And the funny thing is, it's completely contradictionary, because the, the impact of what you're delivering is so great. I mean, I mean, my advice would be, you can't even afford not thinking about this. But that's uh, maybe, well, thinking ahead. <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, I think, you know, the Value Inspiration podcast is so, so important, because having a community of people who want to share knowledge because they deeply believe and are deeply convicted about this is where the, the future is going. We need more podcasts like yours. This is, this is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. 
mean, that's why I'm doing it, but it's fun at the same time. But uh, I agree with you. It's, uh, these stories need to be shared. And that's why I started the whole thing in the first place. So, so what did you, do you believe was your catalyst moment? When did it really take off? So I think this is where B2B is slightly different than business to consumer. Okay. You know, it's B2B is much more brick by brick. So I, I, I would say for us, it was proving a set of assumptions were, were accurate that were, were important. Yeah. So, you know, some, the first big milestone obviously was technological, you know, is this, is this actually possible? Right. Can you, yeah. can you, can you collect data from all these different sources and, and accurately and, and accurately analyze it? That was a huge milestone. Sure. Um, the second was, can you get clients in highly regulated industries that are multinational to embrace a different business model? And then the third is, you know, will people respond to, we believe also that technology should not be painful to use. And so, you know, one of the things that we've looked at uh, the applications that, uh, have come out in the consumer side of things that have made all of our lives so much easier and, and manageable. Could we take some of the UI UX experience from that yeah. and introduce that into the enterprise? And the fact that we were able to get uh, companies that are run by incredibly intelligent people to to embrace our vision, to get users onto our platform and embracing it and transforming how they um, they work day to day. All of those things collectively are are where I think what led us to the the success that we're having today. I couldn't say it's one watershed thing. It's okay. it's a combination of many. Makes things. sense. So what is what is how is the business model different from from others in the industry? I would say the biggest difference is that SaaS pure SaaS technologies, and what yeah. I mean by that, you know, companies that either automate a function or provide a service. Uh, via delivery mechanism that is not on premise. Uh-huh. Um, those companies, I, I call them analog technologies. So you know they don't really bring anything to the party beyond making certain functions that you do day to day easier. So yeah. you know, it, it, just as an analogy, you would say you know using like a, a word program, like you know not on prem, like a, a, a Google Docs. True. Although I would say Google Docs is now injecting some of the intelligence that they have from Google's network into Google Docs, which to me is an incredibly exciting advancement. Yeah. Our big differentiator is in our, in our world, you're getting functionality, which does make doing things easier. So for example, you get a daily reforecast through our system. But the thing that's really exciting about the forecast that you're getting is that it's infused with intelligence. So it has in it, baked into it, things that you couldn't know on your own. Yeah, things that make you smarter day to day and things that guide you to the best possible outcomes without, you know, the uncertainty of where to focus and, and, and whether or not it's important to do the things that our system's recommending. And so that's a big differentiator. That's a, a new kind of, I call them intelligent applications. applications sure. that yeah. Don't just provide functions, but provide intelligence layered and built into what those functions would do. And that's, that's the reimagining piece. As yeah, you that's would. true. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So out of all the learnings that you've had so far, was, is there anything you would do different next time? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, there's no, every entrepreneur thinks of things. I mean, that's part of, of being, you know, a great business person is being critical of, of 
things you've done. I think, you know, the, the, the hardest part about artificial intelligence is ironically the human transformation and where we've started to shift more of our energies now is, you know, getting people, there's so much negative hype about, you know, machines taking over the world and jobs being automated away and, and, and the parade of horribles that, that this technology will supposedly shepherd in. And, and I do think, you know, I'm not, I'm not being Pollyannish about it. There's certainly ethical considerations that should be talked about, but, you know, for companies like ours, that fear is misplaced. And, and so probably if I um, were to look back and, and one of the things I'm focused on now is to say, you know, fear, fear is a powerful motivator and, and helping people get past the fear. It's, it's less about the, the technology itself is, is truly designed to make people's working lives much, much better and to enhance and fuel their success. The flip side is how do you, how do you convey that to people in a way that, that doesn't make them think that you're being brought in to replace? Because that's exactly the opposite of what we're, we're doing. Yeah. It's about making people smarter. I always uh, try to get, get across and yeah, that's if the solution is about that, then then you're going the right direction. If if the the, the combination of the two is bigger, and the, well, if the outcome is, of the two is bigger than the than the sum of it, that's that's where you're going in a great direction. Yeah, it's not it's not only about people making making people smarter, but it's also about sharing the talents that they're sort of quietly exercising yes. uh, that people don't appreciate because it's masked by all these other unknowns. So. You know, if you think about it, just to go back to the Waze example, you know, I'm a person with a terrible sense of direction. Uh, And before Waze, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, you know, Heidi's a horrible driver because it takes her two hours longer than anyone else to get somewhere. Um, You know, today it's now my driving is actually evaluated because of how I drive, not because I get lost, you know, whatever, some limitation or something that doesn't matter. So, you know, there's, there's, there's making people smarter and then there's highlighting the fact that what they do is truly unique and valuable and really great artificial intelligence applications do that. I agree. So from the learnings from on your own company, if you would give advice to, well, to CEOs, leaders in, in, in organizations that are about sales, what would you advise them to possibly do different, to think different? So there's, there's a couple of things. One is in, in the world of artificial and intelligence and, and machine learning, it's, it's very important not to sit on the sidelines. There, you know, I read a great article about how um, the idea of being a fast follower doesn't work in AI because the advantages are so far superior. I mean, look at you know, Amazon and, and, and how they've just dominated in retail because they embraced this concept very, very early on. So the first thing I would say is to embrace it. The second thing I would say is to define what your core competency is and then find you know, applications like Collectivee uh, that can help you with things that are outside of that core competency. So you know, if your product and your services are, are the thing that makes you unique, every other function that can be augmented and enhanced by machine learning, you should look to partner with uh, and, and leverage that expertise. The third thing I would say is when evaluating artificial intelligence, look at the data set that's training the machine, because if it is not diverse and large enough, 
the machine will not be able to give you the gains that are eminently possible. And then the last thing I would say is never has leadership been more important than now. So when you introduce artificial intelligence, if if you're not fully committed to to its success in the organization, um, neither will your people. And so these initiatives need to be brought in from the top. Uh, the people who are bringing them in need to have the support of their CEOs to say there is a transformation that's underway. Um, in your words, we are reimagining what can yeah. be, and that needs to be endorsed from a CEO level. Nice advice. Inspiring advice. It makes you think. That's, um, that's cool. So what's next for you? What's, the, what's your greatest aspiration with Collective Eye? So I, I think that, and this is getting back to the high level, you know, there's, I think it's a third of companies miss earnings every year and, you know, or, and that could be positive or negative. And, and you think, oh, it's great to, to dramatically beat earnings expectations. But what that really means is that a company's underinvested in its future success. And so these very cyclical swings where, you know, earnings losses destroy stock value, um, which results in, in human you know, costs of, of layoffs and, and uncertainty. And then when I look at, you know, the, the quarter by quarter life that most sales professionals leave, lead, um, about 25% of them lose their jobs every year, about 50% miss quota. And the, the, the enormous stress that that places on, you know, the one in eight people in this country, that in a cumulative fashion, if we could stabilize that, get rid of some of that uncertainty, allow for companies to predictively manage revenue and for sales professionals to manage their own portfolios in a way that de-risks them to the extent where they're not, you know, living quarter to quarter. That would be, that would be a, a, an amazing accomplishment. I agree. I agree. I actually been writing about it this morning. So it's, uh, oh, wow. yeah, it's, that's definitely better for everybody if sales just keeps hitting their their quota in a way that's uh, that's reliable everybody benefits from this <laughs> absolutely it's a good advice so what is your big ask i mean if there's any, anyone on the podcast listening and how can they help you first of all anyone who's listening thank you for making it this far Second of all, I would say um, spread the word about collective eye if you are aware of business-to-business uh, -business sales organizations who want to be transformed and want to be part of our community, I would love to, to hear from them and hear from you. So yeah. spreading the word. That's We're the, network and, and networks grow by word of mouth. So Exactly. And uh, yeah, join, join the network, I would say. <laughs> Thank you. So, so where do people go if they want to find out more about Collective Eye or you? So I, they can go to Collectivize website, www.collectivize.com. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also happy for people to email me. So uh, it's very simple, Heidi at Collectivize.com. That's a very simple one. Hopefully you can keep that simple simplicity uh, when your organization grows uh, beyond 10,000 people. <laughs> well, that's the goal, right? The, the hardest <laughs> thing in life to do is simple. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you very much for this inspiring uh, interview. I learned a great deal. I mean, I got a couple of, I mean, if you look at my notes here, it's all over the place. And I think people can definitely take something from this uh, and get to the next level. And I love your, your recommendation that being a fast follower doesn't work anymore. That is, that's fascinating indeed.
because a lot of organizations have been on that on that trail. That's true. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. And like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of your podcast. So Glad to hear that. Thank you very much. And for everybody listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Heidi Messer, chairman and co-founder of Collective Eye. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strengths of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in, and you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. questions we've got answers business leadership ownership and sales can be challenging tune into the accelerate your business growth podcast to learn from the world's experts join me your host diane helbig as i chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business you'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas tips and suggestions you need to realize greater success Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.